Okay, so I mean a little bit of context about this passage. Of course, we all know we all know the Beatitudes, or we've heard of them, or you know we've heard that we hear, it's like you hear them frequently uh, during our church year. A lot of times at funerals, uh, the Beatitudes are read. Um, just a little bit of background. I think I think it's it's a fascinating thing. Uh, what's going on here? So Matthew's gospel, um, it begins, of course, with with the nativity narrative, t- talking about how how Jesus is conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit, and you know then Herod wants to kill him, and so they run off into Egypt. And then when Jesus is an adult, what happens? He comes uh, and he's baptized by John the Baptist. Then he's, he's in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights tempted and he fasts there and he has this kind of showdown with, with Satan. But then after that, he goes into his public ministry and he starts calling people to follow after him. He calls uh, Simon or Peter and his brother Andrew. He calls uh, James and John. He calls a, a few other people to follow him. And then, and then what's more, he performs miracles, right? So it's like people per, you know, uh, who are sick, they're brought to him and he, he heals them. And people who can't hear uh, are brought to him and he heals them. He casts out demons, people who are possessed by different demons, and he heals them. And so what happens actually is like there's, there's great crowds of people that are following Jesus. Which, which is, of course, incredible, you know, because it's like people are, uh, people are seeing him and, and some of them surely are, are thinking like, oh my gosh, he's healing people who are sick? Like he, people can't walk and they can walk after he prays over them? Like this is incredible, right? So like he might be the Messiah. Then, of course, seeing these miracles, what, what is it? Well, it's exciting. It's, it's entertaining. It's something different for sure. And so what happens? People are just, they're, they're spreading the word. Like, you got to see this miracle worker, this guy. I, I, I brought my aunt to him and she couldn't walk before and now she can. Or I brought, I brought my, my sister to him and she couldn't talk before and now, now she can't stop talking. It's, it's kind of annoying. I wish, I wish she would actually make it so that she couldn't talk anymore. You're like, like this is these, these incredible things taking place, these miracles. And so the, the great crowds are following the Lord. And and so what, what I find fascinating is this, that that sets the stage for the Sermon on the Mount. And, and how does the, the Sermon on the Mount begin? It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, right? So he's seeing everybody there, all these, these, this huge multitude of people. When he sees the crowds, he does what? He went up the mountain. This, I think, is, is a fascinating thing to think about. And, and we see this in other places in the Gospels. Whenever Jesus sees crowds of people, like huge multitudes of people around him, he tends to do one of two things. The first thing we see in this passage is that when he sees crowds, he tends to leave. He tends to go someplace else, like he does here. He, he sees the crowds and he goes up the mountain. Or the second thing that he does when he sees crowds of people who are just kind of flocking to him, the second thing he tends to do is preach something that's really difficult to hear, like a correction of some sort, or a, a teaching about the way that he sees life that is different than the way the average person sees life. I, I think this is it's fascinating. Why does, why does he do this? He's doing this because he knows that the members of the crowd don't all have real deep faith in him. A lot of times the members of the crowd have this basic surface level, if we call it faith, surface level faith, or more, more like a lot of them have just this surface level kind of excitement about Jesus. And so they're happy to come and look at him and just see what he's up to. And, and maybe he'll perform a miracle while I'm watching him. But when push comes to shove, I'm not, I'm not ready to follow him. I'm not ready to, to lay my life down for this guy. So, so he knows this. And so what does he do? He goes up the mountain. 
Now, it's not like Jesus is like rock climbing, right? But nonetheless, going up a mountain, uh, well, that's something that's an extra step that I have to take in order to follow Jesus. Or to hear a difficult teaching. You know, Jesus doesn't always preach fire and brimstone about, you know, how, how we're all, you know, we're all going to hell and we're all damned and too bad for us. He doesn't always preach that way, but sometimes he does. Preach about the many going the way that leads to destruction and the few that goes the way that go the, the way that leads to life. And, and he does this because he's interested to see who's going to stick with him. Notice what happens. He goes up the mountain and after he sat down, what happens? His disciples came to him. His disciples. I, I've talked about this before, how there's a difference in the Bible between the crowds that follow Jesus and the disciples that follow Jesus. To be a disciple is someone who's willing to stick with Jesus even when he leads me someplace that's uncomfortable, even when he leads me someplace that, that makes it more difficult to follow him. Like, for example, if, if my faith comes up and butts against something going on in my politics, well, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to choose my faith over my politics. Or if uh, something is going on in a relationship that I have, whether, whether among family or friends or something else, if something butts up with this between my faith and my relationship, well, I'm going to stick with Jesus, even though I know that it might mean or probably will mean a strain in my relationship, maybe even a breaking in my, my friendship or something like that. If, if my faith bumps up with, with anything in life that I would rather do, but I know that the Bible tells me or the church teaches me that I can't do it, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to be willing to say, I choose Jesus more than I choose my own preferences, more than I, more than I allow my feelings to rule my life. I'm going to allow the Lord Jesus to rule my life. And that, that can be hard for sure. And that, that's why I'm making the point, because sometimes to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of him is difficult. To be a member of the crowd is super easy. Think about that. To be a member of the crowd. And we, we all know people that who are members of the crowd. Maybe some of us sometimes are members of the crowd. I think, I think there are times in my life when I'm, I'm, I kind of prefer to be a member of the crowd because it's easy. Because it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to look at Jesus from afar, but I'm not ready to make any commitments to him. I'm happy to say that, no, I believe in Jesus because I see all the miracles he's performing. But, but when he leads me and, and tells me, well, I have to follow his commandments if I, if I really love him, well, I'm not that tight with him. But we have this, you know, this special, right? So it's easy to be a member of the crowd. It's much more difficult to be a disciple and to cling to him as a disciple. And this is especially the case with anyone who's living in the world that we live in. And, and, and maybe, maybe there's, there's some benefit, I think, and I know there's some benefit to living in, in a smaller town where I think that the general culture of the world, it takes a little bit more time to get to us. But at the same time, anyone who's observing what's going on in the world, in politics, in, in, in uh, celebrities, in the general uh, themes of the day that people are talking about, anyone, anyone knows who's paying attention can say, almost all of that runs contrary to what's found in here. And, and I know that it doesn't always escape small town living. And so I know that, that sometimes if I really want to cling to what's found in here in the Bible, I have to be willing to say, I don't believe in that, that thing that they're talking about, or I'm not, I'm not going to agree with this thing that's going on, or I'm not going to attend this, this thing that, that, doesn't, that runs contrary to what my Catholic Christian faith says. 
I have to be willing to do that. And like I said, sometimes that makes things difficult because the people around me might stop liking me. The people around me might start talking poorly about me. The people around me might start mocking me. And yet, what happens? When, when that happens to me, what does Jesus say? He says, Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then this. It's like, it's like Jesus is preaching to this, this, this group of disciples that has come. But then this moment comes where it's like you can imagine him just looking at each person in the eyes and he says, Blessed are you when they insult you and mock you and utter every kind of false thing against you because of me. Blessed are you when you remain faithful to me in spite of the criticisms, in spite of the pressure of family sometimes, in spite of the pressure of your friends sometimes, in spite of the pressure of the community at large. Blessed are you when you cling to me as my disciple. What does he say? Rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. It's a real struggle sometimes, but if we can keep our eyes on the prize, as the saying goes, then I think we can be willing to say it, to know that in those moments of, of really difficult decisions, when we make the difficult decision and we're willing to embrace that uncomfortable thing, what happens? The Lord looks at us in the eyes. He, we, we look at him face to face. We who are a people who, what, who long to see the face of the Lord, he looks at us in the face and he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. These are the people who are found in heaven. These are the saints of God. Those who what? Those who are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Jesus doesn't talk about how it's actually going to be easy when we follow him. Instead, he talks about it from a completely different perspective, that to follow him and to cling to him closely, it actually means distress. It actually means suffering, because to follow him closely means following him all the way to the cross. But following him all the way to the cross means what? It means we, we bathe ourselves in the blood that pours forth from his side. And sort of paradoxically, when we bathe ourselves in his blood, what happens? We become pure as he is pure. That's what makes for a saint. And so I, I think this day is, is just a beautiful day for us to remember this, to rejoice in this. But also, maybe if, if we've been resisting our cross, maybe it's time for us to embrace the cross, to actually resist the world more than we'd like to, but to resist the world so that we can cling to Jesus.